0: Welcome to Life Church. We are an X242 community, a family on a mission to bring the life of Jesus to Warrington. We hope you're ready to hear what God has to say to you today through his word and by his spirit. If you've got a Bible, Matthew 21, that's what we're looking at this evening. And um in a series at the moment called What Love Does and so um, last week we uh, were with Nick Love weeps with Those Who Weep and um, great series over the next six weeks going through different aspects of Jesus' ministry particularly as he goes to the cross Jesus knew everything I think he was I think you say he's omniscient. Is that when they can know everything? That's it, yeah. He knew all things. But yet, it's amazing as you look at the life of Jesus in that last week of his ministry, that even though he knew what was going to happen to him, he was still very much loving people and the context around him. And that's the lesson that we really want to get as we look at these different aspects of Jesus' ministry in these last weeks before he went to the cross, that despite going to the cross, Jesus continued to be acutely aware of those around him. And he practically loved them and showed his love towards them. And as we've already said this evening, as followers of Christ, we want there to be an outworking of this journey of following Jesus and becoming like him in our lives. So what love does, I was thinking about what love does, how does love Express itself. When I was fourteen, going back a few years now, thirty-six to be exact, going back to when I was fourteen, I was in love with my wife's not here, so I can talk about this freely. One of my exes, when I was fourteen, <laughs> Coral, Coral Pryor, her name was Coral Pryor, and uh, she kept me, she, she kept me as a regular in church, even though my heart might have been cold sometimes, and I was. I was so in love with Coral Pryor at 14 that in 1985, on Valentine's Day, I walked three miles in the snow to deliver a Valentine's card. See? What love does. What does love do? Love walks three miles in the snow to deliver a Valentine's card. Love expresses itself in my life at the moment, in, a, in, a, in my marriage relationship, is that I deliver a cup of coffee into the hand of my wife at 7 a.m., That is a great expression of love that happens regularly in our home. And so love is a verb, we've heard that already, love is a verb we've been reminded about that. Love does stuff, love isn't just an emotion, it needs to be expressed. And when we look at Jesus in these days that led up to Easter, and also obviously as we get to Easter, we see the incredible way that God expresses his love for you and me. And let's be reminded about that this evening. Let's just think about and meditate on that for a moment. That God loved us so much that he gave himself for you and for me. This evening particularly, we're going to look at Matthew 21. And the focus of what we're saying tonight is that love removes barriers. Love removes barriers. And we're going to look at an occasion in Matthew 21 where barriers were removed. This is a picture here from the 1980s. So at Chelsea, the fans had such a reputation. So Ken Bate, who was the chairman at that time, he put electric fences up to keep the fans apart from each other. And it worked, you know. Um, so that, that was that, that, often barriers are there to keep us apart from um, something or a situation. Another picture that we'll have seen quite a lot of recently in the news is kind of barriers like this we've seen in Ukraine, and particularly in Kiev on the TV, we've seen that people have been building barriers on the streets. The reason why they've been doing that is they've been trying to drive a wedge between them and something else in order to protect themselves. When we, <clears throat> when we look at the scriptures, we see that Jesus wasn't someone who wanted to put barriers up, but Jesus was someone who wanted to bring barriers down. And uh, Romans 5 says that we were enemies of God, but now we have been reconciled to God by the death of Jesus. And we will see tonight, as we look at Matthew 21, that Jesus' agenda as he went towards the cross, he knew what was about to come. But even as he went to the cross, there were these moments where he was so passionate about barriers being removed between people and God. He was so passionate about that that he did some really passionate things. So Matthew 21, let's read this together. What we see in this account is um, it's Palm Sunday, so it's the equivalent of next Sunday, the Sunday before Easter. And Jesus is coming to Jerusalem for the last time. So it's a significant journey that Jesus is making on this day in Matthew 21. And we see that Jesus goes into the temple after the procession. He goes into the temple and he turns over the tables. And there's all kinds of pictures that we can draw from that. In as much as Jesus was saying to people, listen everyone, I know what's going to happen in a week from now. A week from now, the veil that is just through there in the Holy of Holies, which was a 60-foot veil. It was four inches long. The Bible says at the very instant when Jesus died on Calvary, the Bible says that at the moment he gave up his spirit, the Bible says that the greatest barrier that ever existed between us and God was removed. What happened was that the veil was torn in two and this 60-foot curtain... 60 foot curtain, 4 inches wide, it was ripped from the top to the bottom because it's something that God did. And in saying that, God was saying, I am removing the barrier. I am removing this barrier. But even before Jesus got there, there was still a week to go. Jesus was so enthusiastic about you and me understanding what it means to draw close to him to remove stuff from our lives in order that we might know him, that what he does is he begins to turn some tables over. And that's what we see. So Matthew 21, it says as they... Just pray, sorry. Jesus, thank you so much for your word. And um, Lord, I pray tonight that as we read Matthew 21, as we talk about the things that you've impressed on me, Father, I pray that our hearts will be challenged, And Lord, I pray that we'll recognize tonight that you call us to have soft hearts, because it doesn't matter how much seed you throw on hard ground, it's not going to bear fruit. And I pray that tonight we will decide that we're going to have soft hearts tonight, that we're just going to listen to you, and we're going to make sure that our hearts and our lives are pliable and challengeable, in order that the seed of your word can take root and it can bear fruit. Amen. Matthew 21, as they approached Jerusalem, remember, Palm Sunday, yeah? Week before, Jesus goes to the cross. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethsaida on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you'll find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, tell him that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle, of riding on a donkey, on a colt, on the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, they placed their cloaks on them, and Jesus sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Jesus entered the temple area and the children shouting in the temple hosanna to the son of david they were indignant do you hear these cho- do you hear what these children are saying they asked him yes replied jesus have you never have you never read from the lips of children and infants you have ordained praise and he left them and he went out of the city to bethany where he spent the night so there are 3 Types of barriers I think we can learn about from the scripture that we've read together this evening. The first one is this. What, so, this, our series title is What Love Does. What Love Does is Love Removes the Barrier of Sin. And this barrier here, this is talking about God's love for us. And I've, as followers of Jesus, it's good to remind ourselves. And I want to remind you tonight listen, Life Church. God loves you so much that he had a plan of redemption for you and for me so that we no longer had to live away from God, divided from God, out of relationship with God. But as soon as the fall of man happened in Genesis chapter 3, God was making a plan for you and for me to know what it was to be in relationship with him again. Isaiah 59 verse 2 expresses what things were like before Jesus removes the barrier of sin. Isaiah 59 says, But your iniquities, or your sins, have become barriers between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he does not hear. That's what sin does. It blocks us from God. And what what had happened up until the time in the temple, as Jesus comes in on that day, what had happened was that In order for anyone to know any kind of forgiveness of sin, there would have to be blood, the blood of an animal sacrificed on the altar. And this wasn't a one-off process. They would have to do it again and again and again. And all, all the time they were doing it, they were doing that because they wanted to be right with God. But Hebrews reminds us that we no longer need to do that anymore. And what Jesus... As Jesus went into the temple that day, and as he began to upset the tables, what he was doing, I believe, prophetically, he was saying, listen people, a new day is coming when none of this will be necessary. When none of this will be necessary. And tonight, as followers of Jesus, we can enjoy the presence of God here together. As you walk out of that door in half an hour, and as you go home, you don't leave the presence of God here, you don't believe it or not, you don't need to go to Jerusalem to experience the presence of God. It's good to go to Jerusalem. The coffee's great. The weather's hot. Some of the historical sites you can visit are amazing. But let me tell you that I, when I've been to Jerusalem, and I've been to Jerusalem many times, I have not experienced the presence of God any stronger in Jerusalem than I experienced at the front of the Methodist church on eagle brow in limb. Because... The barrier has been removed and we have been invited in constantly into the presence of God. Hebrews 10.10 reminds us that we, as followers of Christ, we have an access all areas pass. Hebrews 10.10 says we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Listen, that's what love does. Love Removes the barrier of sin. It was love that sent um, Jesus to the cross for you and for me. Was, Jesus was saying that day there will be no longer any need for these rituals. You don't need to exchange money. You don't need to buy animals. Colossians two fourteen tells me and you exactly where our sin is. It says because we broke God's laws, we owed a debt. But God forgave us of that debt. He took it away and he nailed it to the cross. And because of that tonight, Life Church, you and me, we possess the greatest commodity that anyone can possess. Money can't buy it. It is priceless. Because Jesus removed the barrier of sin, because we can know forgiveness of sin in our lives, even when we fail, the Bible says... If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and purify us from all unrighteousness. Okay, Because of that, you and me can experience these three words. Peace with God. Peace with God. You and me, we have it. And it's the most precious thing. And it came about because love removes the barrier of sin. So that's talking about God's love for you and for me. That's where that love flows from. But next I want to talk about another kind of barrier that we can have in our, in, in our lives. And this is reflected really about our love for God. What does love do? Love removes the barrier of clutter. The barrier of clutter. Love this verse on the screen here because... Um, we understand that sin separates us from God, but let me tell you, sometimes the clutter of life separates us from God. The busyness of life separates us from God. All of the other stuff that we can fill our lives with, it separates us from God. It God, only Jesus can forgive sins. The barrier of sin cannot be overcome by us, that's been overcome by Jesus, yeah? So that's all about his love for us, his provision for us. But the clutter of our lives is really down to you and me. It's a choice of what do we love most in this life. This verse in Hebrews 12, I love it because it differentiates between sin and clutter. It says here, let us throw off everything that hinders, that's the clutter, and the sin which so easily entangles, that's the sin. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out before us. So, listen, Life Church, in our lives, there, is, there can be sin. Okay, when we disobey God's law, when we break the Ten Commandments, when we do things that are sinful. But also, so that, that, that can separate us from God, and we need to ask for forgiveness, and we need to be right with God. But also, there's this stuff called clutter which blocks us from relationship. In the context of Matthew 21, the clutter are the tables that people had set up. What there was in the temple, there was an outer court where only the Gentiles could go and worship. They couldn't go any further in because of their race, because of who they were. So the outer court was where the Gentiles could go. And what had happened Instead of this outer court being a worship space, it had just become a marketplace. One day, someone had said, hey, wouldn't it be great to set some tables up, we could make some money. And so one person did it, and then probably someone set up a, you know, like a hot dog stand. And then someone said, oh, maybe when they come to the temple, they want to buy some candy floss as well. And all of a sudden, there's all of these tables that have been set up in this space that was supposed to be for worship. And as Jesus comes into the temple that day, like he is saddened by what he sees. Because he's saying, listen everyone, this space was meant for the worship of God, not for you to sell stuff and for you to do stuff in. And so in our lives, I believe that often there are, there, are, there should be enough space in our lives for us to be honoring God, for us to be prioritizing God, for us to be putting God first. And what we find is we become so busy with stuff that we actually stop doing the worship that God called us to do. We need to have this consistency and this intimacy and this priority. Of knowing what it is, just to remove that barrier of clutter and busyness, in order that we can know what it is to spend face time with Jesus. Because the bottom line was this: in verse 12, in verse thirteen, Jesus says these words. He says to them, He says to them, um, "My house will be called a house of prayer, but you are turned it into a den of thieves." That's what Jesus was upset about: the space that they were using to sell their stuff and to exchange their money. It was supposed to be a space of prayer where God's people met with God. But instead, they'd push that out and they'd put other stuff in. Let me ask you this question. What about your space? What what do we do instead of that time of worship and prayer that God wants with us as his people? What would Jesus say if he looks what does Jesus say as he looks at your life tonight? Does he look at your life and say, wow, this is a clear space. There is plenty of space here for worship to happen. And this space here, this life here, is a house of prayer. Or are there some tables in your life that need to be turned over in order that? the space can be created again, and so the clutter goes. In terms of our love towards God, the barrier that we need to remove is the barrier of clutter. And when Jesus went into the temple that day, that's what Jesus was saying. For me in my life, there's a red chair in in our room at home, and I understand that if I don't take time to sit in that chair, I understand that the clutter of Netflix of Sky News, of busyness, of football, of hobbies, yeah, of life, of work, all of those things that can be so good and valid, they've overtaken that spot and they've become clutter. I believe that God challenges us this evening to look at the spaces in our lives, spaces that are meant for worship and prayer and there needs to be this clearing out turns and tables over change the things around move the furniture around in order that there can be that priority of knowing what it is to hear and see um, and hear the voice of god so a final thing is this so we we've, we've 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 talked about the fact that love removes the barrier of sin that's god's love towards us we talked about That love removes the barrier of clutter. That's our love towards God. It's about enthroning Him. It's about putting Him first. It's about having that the priorities right in our lives. Final thing is love removes the barrier for others to come. Verse fourteen, it says, "The blind and the lame came to Him at the temple, and He healed them." The blind and the lame came to Him at the temple. And he healed them. The blind and the lame had always been at the temple. They were always there. But on this particular day, Jesus was clearing the space in order that those people could be seen and those people could be ministered to. And actually, that's what happens. When we understand that we have peace with God, when we remove the clutter from our lives we begin to see more clearly. If you you will have a deeper understanding and appreciation that you have peace with God, if you remove the clutter from your life, you seek his kingdom first, his priorities, you will begin to see people that you wouldn't normally see. And in the context of Matthew 21, what love does is love sees people again. It sees them for who they are and it sees their needs and it sees the state that they're really in. It's not so busy that it doesn't have that time to stop. And so what we see in Matthew 21 is Jesus made a way. He clears the space. He removes the barriers for others to come. For the first time, the blind and the lame, they come. And the kingdom of God comes in their lives and, he, and they experience And this evening, my challenge to us as followers of Jesus, as we step into another week, another week is going to be a great week. It's going to be full of opportunities for us to follow Jesus, to be honor him with our lives, for him to become more, us to become less, for us to have a fresh understanding because of what the preacher said on Sunday night. We have peace with God, the most precious commodity on the planet. We're clearing the decks. We're decluttering our lives. As we do those things, I believe that we become equipped to be a barrier overcomer. And there are stories in the Bible of people that overcame great things in order to bring their friends to Jesus. Think about the guy in Mark 2, when Jesus is in Capernaum. And they've got this paralytic friend and they want to get him to Jesus. And they carry him. And they take him up the steps, they take him on the roof, they make a hole in the ceiling and they lower him because they're so desperate to overcome any barrier or hindrance in order that their friend might meet with Jesus. And we need to understand that there are barriers in our lives that stop us sharing Jesus or believing that Jesus can change the lives of others. Listen, as Jesus has changed your life and my life, he wants to change the lives of others. But we can put barriers there. The barriers can be, sometimes be put there by us. Or sometimes they can be put there by other people. Always remember my friend Howard. Okay, So Howard became a Christian at our Latchford church. And he got baptised at our Latchford church. Howard wasn't always a Christian. He used to drop his wife off to church. Yeah, He used to drop his wife off to church every week. And he would never come into church. And... Uh, Someone one week, one week said to him, Why don't you come in and have a cup of tea with us after church? He said, No, no, I can't come in. He said, Of course you can come in. He said, No, no, I can't come into church because I'm wearing shorts. And so shorts had been a barrier to Howard stepping over the threshold of a church. Who would have ever thought that someone would think they couldn't come into church because they were wearing shorts? And Howard's story was that six weeks later, he gave his life to Jesus. And he was baptised just because someone invited him over the threshold and said, actually, there is no barrier there. You're welcome to come. Other, other barriers can sometimes be, it's too inconvenient. Sometimes the barrier can be, be that we don't actually believe that Jesus can save people. Because, let's, let's be frank, quite often around our lives, sometimes there's not been a lot of salvation experiences and we long for that. We long for people to have a heart that's towards God but what we need to do is we need to be a people that are, have that spirit of invitation where we invite people to know Jesus. Really encouraged because probably the biggest barrier is the barrier of rejection and thinking like people won't listen. That is a massive barrier to the gospel being shared with others. Because who likes being told, no, I'm not interested? You know, it's disheartening. Um, John chapter 6. At the start of John chapter 6, Jesus feeds 5,000 people. He's the flavor of the month. He's the celebrity. He's the miracle worker. But by the end of John chapter 6, the 5,000 and their families are no longer there. The Bible says that at that time, many of Jesus' disciples deserted him and they left him. Jesus even turned to his most loyal crew and he said to them, Are you boys going to desert me as well? And their response to Jesus was, Jesus, you alone have the words of eternal life. We believe that you're the Son of God. I draw great encouragement from that this evening, Life Church. Great encouragement. Because, but if there were people that turned down the Son of God from the invitation to follow Him, then in my life, as I seek to invite, as I seek to be a Christian, a disciple, an apprentice of Jesus... There will also be moments of disappointment that I might have. The same disappointment that Jesus had at the end of John chapter 6, it has to be a rhetorical question that Jesus asked, because he already knew the answer, because he knew all things. But nevertheless, nevertheless, he asked a question to them. And their answer was, one: well, Jesus, we're sticking with you. We're going to walk with you, even though other people have turned their back on you. And so for us, when we share Jesus or we present the message of Jesus to others, it may well be that people don't accept it, but listen, life church, be released from that tonight because there is no way in the world that me or you can save anyone. We can't save anyone. It's Jesus who saves people. It's his Holy Spirit that draws people, and people have to make there's there's that tension, isn't there, between the sovereignty of God and man's free will. And somewhere those two come together and There's a decision that's made to follow Christ or not follow Christ. That isn't our call. That's not something that we should allow a barrier to go up for. We need to understand that that's a work of God. That's that's the person's choice. All we do is we are commanded to present the story of Jesus and to be disciples of Jesus in the context that we are. So tonight... We're determined to break every barrier that we would put up for people to come to Jesus. In the context of Matthew 21, Jesus created some space, he turned some tables over and those who were on the margins, those who were on the outside, they were invited right in and the kingdom of God was expressed and there was healing and wonderful things happened because love removes the barriers for others to come. And I trust that as we step into this week, there'll be that just that renewed sense of anticipation and expectation that God can work through us. He can work through you and me. Your greatest discipleship opportunity is your children. Your children watch you every day. They listen to everything you say. Don't feel the pressure, but they do. Okay, Be a, be a great example to your kids if you've got kids, even grown-up kids as well. They still watch you. That's a great discipleship opportunity. But those around our lives, our parents, our friends, our siblings, they watch our lives. And so let's let's be prayerful, ensuring that we are not a barrier to people coming to know Jesus. Father, tonight we just give you thanks for your word to us. And Lord, I pray in these moments now as we finish our service that Holy Spirit, Lord, let the seed of your word fall upon our hearts tonight. I pray that we will have those soft, pliable hearts in which the seed of your word can fall and it can bear good fruit. Lord, tonight I pray that we will consider great worth the peace of God that we have experienced in our lives. Lord, whenever we feel that we don't have enough or things are tough, I pray that we'll reflect upon and be incredibly grateful to you for that peace with God that we enjoy because Christ has removed the barrier of sin. That great love that you had for us, Lord, it sent you to the cross. Lord, in our lives this evening, I pray that we will know what it is to create that worship space in our lives in order that when you come and You peer into our lives and our agendas. Lord, you won't need to be turning over tables. But Lord, you will find us as a people that are just prayerful and worshipful towards you. Lord, I pray tonight that you will search our hearts. That you will show us things in our lives that have taken a wrong priority. And Lord, I pray that there will be a removal of that clutter from our lives so that we can know what it is to be the prayers and the worshipers that you invite us into. Yeah, Lord, thank you that you call us to be your followers and your disciples in a world that needs you so much. I pray that we will, our lives will be seasoned by your love and your grace. I pray that we will be confident in the gospel, in what you've done in us. Lord, I pray that we will not be ashamed But Lord, we will simply live the life that you've called us to live. Lord, help us not to overcomplicate it. Lord, help us just to keep it simply, Jesus, and all that you are to us. Lord, let there be an overflow from our lives into the lives of others as we rub shoulders with them this week. Lord, we thank you so much that your love towards us is so great. And thank you that you continue to express and show your love to us day by day. Lord, I pray that we will be grateful and that we will acknowledge that as we follow you. Amen. We've come to the end of this week's message. We hope you've been impacted and inspired. Keep up to date with everything that's happening by visiting our website at www.lifechurchority.com.